Bestbookbits.com presents Empathy, Why It Matters, and How to Get It by Roman Krasnarik. Discover the six habits of highly empathetic people. A popular and speaker and co-founder of the School of Life, Roman Krasnarik has traveled the world researching and lecturing on the subject of empathy. He argues that our brains are wired for social connection. Empathy, not apathy or self-centeredness, is at the heart of who we are. By looking outward and attempting to identify with the experiences of others, Krasnarik argues we can become not only a more equal society, but also a happier and more creative one. Through encounters with groundbreaking actors, activists, designers, nurses, bankers, and neuroscientists, Krasnarik defines a new breed of adventure. He presents the six life-enhancing habits of highly empathetic people, whose skills enable them to connect with others in extraordinary ways, making themselves and the world more truly fulfilled. The written and audio summary can be found on our website, bestbookbits.com. So without further ado, I bring you the book summary of Empathy. If you think you're hearing the word empathy everywhere, you're right. It's now on the lips of scientists and business leaders, educational experts and political activists. But there is a vital question that few people ask. How can I expand my own empathetic potential? Empathy is not just a way to extend the boundaries of your moral universe. According to new research, it's a habit we can cultivate to improve the quality of our lives. But what is empathy? It's the ability to step into the shoes of another person, aiming to understand their feelings and perspectives, and to use that understanding to guide our actions. That makes it different from kindness or pity. And don't confuse it with the golden rule. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. As George Bernard Shaw pointed out, do not do unto others as you would have them do unto you. They might have different taste. Empathy is about discovering those tastes. The big buzz about empathy stems from a revolutionary shift in the science of how we understand human nature. The old view that we essentially self-interested creatures is being nudged firmly to one side by evidence that we are also homo impactfius, wired for empathy, social cooperation, and mutual aid. Over the last decade, neuroscientists have identified a 10-section empathy circuit in our brains, which if damaged can curtail our ability to understand what other people are feeling. Evolutionary biologist Francis DeWall has shown that we are social animals who have naturally evolved to care for each other, just like our primitive cousins. And psychologists have revealed that we are primed for empathy by strong attachment relationships in the first two years of life. But empathy doesn't stop developing in childhood. We can nurture its growth throughout our lives, and we can use it as a radical force for social transformation. Researching sociology, psychology, history, and my own studies for empathetic personalities over the past 10 years reveals how we can make empathy an attitude and a part of our daily lives, and thus improve the lives of everyone around us. Here are the six habits of highly empathetic people. Habit 1. Cultivate curiosity about strangers. Highly empathetic people, HEPs, have an insatiable curiosity about strangers. They will talk to the person sitting next to them on the bus, having retained that natural inquisitiveness we all had as children, but which society is so good at beating out of us. They find that other people more interesting than themselves, but are not out to interrogate them. Respecting the advice of the oral historian Studs Turkel, don't be an examiner, be the interested inquirer. Curiosity expands our empathy when we talk to people outside our usual social circle, encountering lives and worldviews very different from our own. Curiosity is good for us too. Happiness guru Martin 
Sickleman identifies it as a key character strength that can enhance life satisfaction, and it is a useful cure for the chronic loneliness afflicting around one in three Americans. Cultivating curiosity requires more than having a brief chat about the weather. Crucially, it tries to understand the world inside the head of the other person. We are confronted by strangers every day, like the heavily tattooed woman who delivers your mail or the new employee who always eats his lunch alone. Set yourself the challenge of having a conversation with one stranger every week. All it requires is courage. Habit two, challenge prejudice and discover commonalities. We all have assumptions about others and use collective labels, e.g. Muslim fundamentalist, welfare mum, that prevent us from appreciating their individuality. Highly empathetic peoples challenge their own preconceptions and prejudice by searching for what they share with people rather than what divides them. An episode from History of U.S. Race Relations illustrate how this can happen. Clairborne Paul Alice was born in a poor white family in Durham, North Carolina in 1927. Finding it hard to make ends meet, working in a garage and believing African Americans were the cause of all his troubles. He followed his father's footsteps and joined the Ku Klux Klan, eventually rising to the top position of exalted cyclops of his local KKK branch. In 1971, he was invited as a prominent local citizen to a 10-day community meeting to tackle racial tensions in schools and was chosen to head a steering committee with Anne Atwater, a black activist he despised. But working with her exploded his prejudice about African Americans. He saw that she shared the same problems of poverty as his own. I was beginning to look at a black person, shake hands with him, and see him as a human being. He recalled of his experience on the committee. It was almost like being born again. On the final night of the meeting, he stood in front of thousands of people and tore up his clan membership card. Alice later became a labor organizer for Union, whose membership was 70% African-American. He and Anne remained friends for the rest of their lives. There may be no better example on the power of empathy to overcome hatred and change our minds. Habit 3. Try another person's life. Try another person's life. So you think ice climbing and hang gliding are extreme sports. Then you need to try experiential empathy, the most challenging and potentially rewarding of them all. Highly empathetic peoples expand their empathy by gaining direct experience of the other people's lives. Putting into practice the Native American proverb, walk a mile in another man's moccasins before you criticize him. George Orwell is an inspiring model. After several years as a colonial police officer in the British Burma in 1920s, Orwell returned to the British to to discover what life was like for those living on social margins. I wanted to submerge myself to get right down among the oppressed, he wrote. So he dressed up as a tramp with shabby shoes and a coat and lived on the streets of East London with beggars and vagabonds. The result, recorded in the book, Down and Out in Paris and London, was a radical change in his beliefs, priorities and relationships. He not only realized that homelessness, people, are not drunken scoundrels, Orwell developed new friendships, shifted his views on equality, and gathered some superb literary material. It was the greatest travel experience of his life. He realized that empathy doesn't just make you good, it's good for you too. We can each conduct our own experiments. If you're religiously observant, try a God swap, attending the services of faiths different from your own, including a meeting of humanists. Or if you're an atheist, try attending different churches. Spend your next vacation living and volunteering in a village in a developing country. Take the path favored by philosopher John Dewey, who said, 
All genuine education comes about through experience. All genuine education comes about through experience. Habit four, listen hard and open up. Listen hard and open up. There are two traits required for being an empathetic conversationalist. One is to master the art of radical listening. What is essential, says Marshall Rosenberg, psychologist and founder of Nonviolent Communication, NVC, is our ability to present to what's really going on within, to the unique feelings and needs a person is experiencing in that very moment. HEPs listen hard to others and do all they can to grasp their emotional state and needs. Whether it is a friend who has just been diagnosed with cancer or a spouse who is upset at them for working late yet again. But listening is never enough. The second trait is to make ourselves vulnerable. Removing our masks and revealing our feelings to someone is vital for creating a strong, empathetic bond. Empathy is a two-way street that, at its best, is built upon mutual understanding, an exchange of our most important beliefs and experiences. Organizations such as Israeli-Palestine Parents Circle puts it all into practice by bringing together bereaved families from both sides of the conflict to meet, listen, and talk, sharing stories about how their loved ones died, enabled families to realize that they shared the same pain and the same blood, despite being on opposite sides of a political fence, and has helped to create one of the world's most powerful grassroots peace-building movements. Habit 5. Inspire mass action and social change. We typically assume empathy happens at the level of individuals, but highly empathetic people understand that empathy can also be a mass phenomenon that brings about fundamental social change. Just think of the movements against slavery in the 18th and 19th centuries on both sides of the Atlantic. As journalist Adam Hochschild reminds us, the abolitionists placed their hope not in the sacred text, but human empathy, doing all they killed to get people to understand the very real suffering on the plantations and slave ships. Equally, the international trade union movement grew out of empathy between industrial workers united by their shared exploitation. The overwhelming public response to the Asian tsunami of 2004 emerged from a sense of empathetic concern for the victims, whose plight was dramatically beamed into our homes on shaky video footage. Empathy will most likely flower on a collective scale if its seeds are planted in our children. That's why highly empathetic people support efforts such as Canada's pioneering Roots of Empathy, the world's most effective empathy teaching program, which has benefited over half a million school kids. Its unique curriculum centers on an infant whose development children observe over time in order to learn emotional intelligence, and its results include significant declines in playground bullying and high levels of academic achievement. Beyond education, the big challenge is figuring out how social networking technology can harness the power of empathy to create mass political action. Twitter may have gotten people onto the streets for the Occupy Wall Street and the Arab Spring, but can it convince us to care deeply about the suffering of distant strangers, whether they are drought-stricken farmers in Africa or future generations who will bear the brunt of our carbon junkie lifestyles? This will only happen if social networks learn to spread not just information, but empathetic connection. Habit six, develop an ambitious imagination. Develop an ambitious imagination. A final trait of the highly empathetic people is that they do far more than empathize with the usual suspects. We tend to believe empathy should be reserved for those living on social margins or who are suffering. This is necessary, but it is hardly enough. We also need to empathize with people whose beliefs 
we do not share or who may be enemies in some ways. If you are a campaigner on global warming, for instance, it may be worth trying to step into the shoes of oil company executives, understanding their thinking and motivations. If you want to devise effective strategies to shift them towards developing renewable energies, a little of this instrumental empathy, sometimes known as impact anthropology, can go a long way. Empathizing with adversaries is also a route to social tolerance. That was Gandhi's thinking during the conflict between Muslims and Hindus leading up to the Indian independence in 1947, when he declared, I am a Muslim and a Hindu and a Christian and a Jew. Organizations too should be ambitious with their empathetic thinking. Bill Drotron, the renowned father of social entrepreneurship, believes that it is an era of rapid technological change. Mastering empathy is the key business survival skill because it underpins successful teams and leadership. His influential Ashoka Foundation has launched the Start Empathy Initiative, which is taking its ideas to business leaders, politicians, and educators worldwide. The 20th century was the age of introspection, when self-help and the therapy culture encouraged us to believe the best way to understand who we are and how to live was to look inside ourselves. But it left us gazing at our own navels. The 21st century should become the age of empathy, when we discover ourselves not simply through self-reflection, but by becoming interested in the lives of others. We need empathy to create a new kind of revolution, not an old-fashioned revolution built on new laws, institution, or policies, but a radical re-revolution in human relationships. And that's a wrap on empathy. Subscribe to the channel and take a look at the hundreds of book summaries uploaded previously. To find hundreds of written summaries, check out our website, bestbookbits.com. And for hundreds of audio summaries, find us on mixcloud.com forward slash bestbookbits. If you want to help and be a contributor, get involved in the channel by reading a book, writing a summary, and emailing us at info at bestbookbits.com to have it featured. Thanks for watching and listening, and I hope you got something out of empathy. Have a nice day. Take care.